Welcome to 30 Minutes to Wealth, the show that teaches you how to build wealth through real estate. Our company, ProFunds Mortgages, has assisted real estate investors in achieving wealth for over two decades. Over the next 30 minutes, we're going to share some of our key strategies in real estate with you, right here on 30 Minutes to Wealth. Hi, I'm Carmen and this is Jordan. Welcome to 30 Minutes to Wealth. The show that teaches you how to build wealth through real estate. Today on the show, we have the Deputy Chief Economist of CIBC World Markets joining us to talk to us about current trends in the Canadian market. We are so excited to have Benjamin Tall on our show today. Benjamin, thank you so much for being on our show today. It's a pleasure. It is so great to have you here. Uh, I've been watching you for years and I've always been so impressed by you. And it's a great honor to have you on our show and to share your wealth and wisdom with our viewers on 30 Minutes to Wealth. So thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, so I know we're kind of in a little bit of a unprecedented time. Benjamin, could you share with the viewers and, and us as well just a little yes. bit about, you know, what's going on in today's economy and kind of how you're predicting, you know, the next 12 months or so are, are going to pan out? Yes, as we all know, we are going through the mother of all recessions, if you wish. Uh, this is a major, major issue that we are dealing with. We all know the story. In the second quarter of the year, the economy went down by 40%, 4 zero. We have never seen anything like that. In the third quarter, during the happy days of the summer, the economy was up by 40%. So we were negative 40 and positive 40. But of course, this positive 40 started from a lower base. So we are still relatively short relative to where we were before the crisis, short about 5% in terms of economic activity. That's significant. So basically what I'm telling you here is that we are recovering into some sort of recessionary territory after the very strong recovery in the summer that included, of course, the housing market. For the next few months during the winter, I don't see a significant improvement in the economy. I've noticed that the Toronto market has really gone down where secondary and tertiary markets have really gone up. There's a huge demand for like cottage countries and things like that. We have properties there. What are your thoughts in the next three to five years on our real estate market? I know you don't have a crystal ball, but I'd love to know. Yeah, maybe you can start off by talking to us a little bit about Toronto and what you kind of expect yeah. and when you expect a comeback um, or if you expect things to maybe get a little bit worse before they get better. And then we could talk about some of those tertiary markets. Sure, that sounds great. Yeah, so first of all, we have to put the real estate market market in general in perspective uh, and quite frankly relatively speaking it did uh, extremely well you know if you look at the, the sales prices uh, they actually we have seen a v-shaped recovery basically something that we have never seen in any other recession in fact let's face it this was the most uh, real estate friendly recession ever yeah. uh, compared to 2008 compared to 1991 and the question is why? Yeah. Why house prices were rising in this environment, despite the fact that we have seen, uh, you know, the market uh, kind of freezing in March, April, May, then it took off, as we all know. The question is why? And then we should ask, what about the next six months? How sustainable it is? And within the housing market, condos versus detached. So first of all, why? The narrative is that it's all about low interest rates and pent-up demand, which is true. Interest rates are very, very low. But as you know, and as your listeners know, we are now dealing with a stress test. 
So in order to qualify for a mortgage variable or fixed, the rate in order uh, for you to qualify is uh, what? Uh, 479, I believe. Mm -hmm. Now, if that's the case, if you go back to 2008, they did not have qualification rates. So de facto, their qualification rate was lower than what we have now. So in terms of qualifying, interest rates now are actually higher than they were in 2008 when the economy went down, when the real estate went, out, went down. Today, the opposite is happening. So why? From yeah. your perspective, the number one reason is the asymmetrical nature of this recession. You see, all the jobs, all the jobs that were lost during this crisis were lost among low-wage occupations. Most of them are renters. They are not in the housing market. This means that a huge segment of the economy, a huge segment of households, did not feel this recession financially. Mm -hmm. Interest rates are low. That's the opportunity that they were waiting for. And that's why we have seen so many people entering the market, keeping the market going. That's the reason for the V-shaped recovery in the housing market. This abnormal, asymmetrical behavior in the labor market. Very, very important. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, it has been interesting. We've been watching it. I mean, I've seen markets where they've doubled in value. And I'm, I'm talking northern areas, like houses that would sell for 250 are now selling for 525,000. You know, it's incredible. So it's, it's been interesting. And, you know, maybe for our viewers that they understand the stress test, it's the qualification process of appro getting approved for a mortgage. And instead of being qualified on the current interest rates, which are extremely low today, you have to qualify at a higher rate so that if indeed the rates do go up, the banks feel there's a comfort that you could support that payment still. So I just wanted to clarify that to our viewers as well. Mm -hmm. So I guess the next question would be, um, what do you think is going to happen then in the, in the next 12 to 24 months with real estate? Okay, so first of all, let's talk about the economy as a, as a whole, because that will impact the real estate market. Okay. Okay. Today, if you look at the economy, there are basically two economies. There is the V-shape economy and there is the L-shape economy. Two-thirds of the economy has seen a pure V-shape recovery, including, of course, real estate. And there is one-third of the economy that is still stuck in this L-shape recovery. And if those industries were unable to recover during the happy days of the summer, surely they will not be able to recover during the darker days right. of winter. And that's exactly what we're going to see. And that's why interest rates will remain low and government policies will continue to support the economy. So you will see more income support coming, and you will see the Bank of Canada not touching interest rates until uh, 2023. Now, within the housing market, we have seen really a tale of two markets, detached, low-rise, and the high-rise condos. Yeah. And those two markets are now not really speaking to each other. Most of the activity that we are seeing, in fact, if you look at the inflation, home price inflation in Toronto, about 50 to 60% of this increase in prices is uh, because of what we call the composition factor, namely more people are more active in the more expensive segment of the market. Now, more expensive means larger. So due to the crisis, due to the nature of the crisis, many people are more comfortable buying detached houses and yeah. therefore more expensive. So there is more activity 
in the more expensive, larger segment of the market, and that's why prices are rising. They are not really rising as strongly in the condo space, and in fact, I believe that they will fall in the yeah. condo space in Toronto. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I, I have a condo and I've, I've kind of experienced that as well. We saw a pretty significant drop in rental rates and um, as also well value. as value as well, right? And we're just kind of wondering, you know, are these values expected to decrease even further in the short term, but then bounce back yeah. In, in, yeah, rebound in, in the longer term outlook? Okay, so let's, uh, let's uh, visit that. First of all, I'm really bullish on the uh, detached segment of the market, especially outside Toronto. This trend uh, will continue. By the way, it's not a new trend. We have seen this before. Every crisis is a trend accelerator. Okay. And this crisis is no different. You know, this trend of moving to larger, uh, more affordable houses outside yeah. the GTA was there before, and now it ex- it was uh, it's accelerating. So that's a given. There is no supply of those units, as we all know. And therefore, their activity will remain healthy. Their price will remain healthy. I believe that in some pockets, we will find a a resistance level in which prices will be too high and uh, people simply will resist as it happened in 2018 or 17. That's the low rise segment of the market. Um, In the high rise segment of the market, namely the condo space, we see a lot of supply coming, especially in the GTA. More than 20,000 units this year, more than 20,000 units next year. A lot of supply is coming, not a lot of demand. Investors are not there to the same extent that they used to because prices are not rising. They are really not breaking even because of the decline in rent. So you see less demand, more uh, supply. This means that the condo space will start softening very, very soon. I am not seeing a free fall. I'm seeing clearly a market that is going to adjust yeah. while the low rise, the third segment of the market will remain healthy. That's the short term, the next six to 12 months. We have to go for a break, unfortunately. This is a great topic and I'm so interested to hear more of your, sharing more of your knowledge with our viewers. So if you want to hear more about our economy, we'll be right back. So don't go away. Jordan, this is Carmen. Welcome back to 30 Minutes to Wealth. We're here with economist Benjamin Tall. Benjamin, thanks again so much for being here. Um, we just wanted to pick back up on where we left off before the break, and we were just looking at kind of short-term and long-term effects of, you know, what's happening in the economy and real estate right now. So can you um, pick back up on some of, you know, what we're going to be looking at more in the long-term range? Yes, absolutely. So I think that in the next 6, 12 months, the housing market will soften, especially the condo space, reflecting the weakening economy. However, this crisis will come to an end eventually. And I think that we will see a very strong recovery in the economy in the second half of 2021 into 2022. Interest rates will remain low to support this recovery. So if you look at the housing market, I expect a very strong spring market of 2021, uh, ending into the winter and a strong summer as well with a lot of pent up demand. So the next six to uh, eight months will be kind of difficult. And then uh, we are going to see uh, some uh, uh, improvement in the economy and the housing market will lead the way. And I believe that the spring market in 2021 actually would be a strong one, anticipating a better economy and clearly low interest rates. That's the short term. Long term, I think that by 2022, 2023, you basically look at 2019, 
and you see the continuation of it. Basically, the fundamentals of the housing market, especially in the GTA, are so strong that they simply will dominate the agenda in 2022, 2023, after this crisis is over. Simply, we don't have enough supply and demand will be there. Those new immigrants will come back. In fact, their number will rise from 350 to 400,000 a year. Most of them will be coming to Toronto, as we all know. So the mismatch in the market between supply and demand will be there waiting for us. And therefore, I believe that this market will remain strong from a long-term perspective, short-term, it would be a bit difficult. I, I want to just go quickly back because something just came to my mind right now about the condo market and all these condos coming to market right now, these builders and developers. Will that be impacted at all? And, you know, how does that, how will that reflect on the rest? It's like a domino effect, obviously. So if people are not buying these condos because they're, because they're concerned and also media, um, how, how do you see that working out with these builders and developers? Is there any fear there? Yes, I think that uh, what uh, builders are going to face over the next uh, six, uh, maybe 12 months is a situation in which they will have to cut their supply. There will be some uh, project cancellations because their margins are going down. The price of labor is rising. The price of construction is rising. Uh, getting stuff from China, getting more expensive, it takes uh, more time. You know, some of them have to wait two years to get windows. So it takes a lot of time. In yeah. addition, you don't have the demand, and therefore you will see some uh, cancellations of projects. So reduced supply eventually will lead to some sort of a better equilibrium between demand and supply, if you wish, in the housing market as a whole. That will take a while, and that's why I think that this market will weaken. At one point, the market will be attractive enough for people to get into the market. And, you know, we tend to exaggerate things when we are in a situation. And we are in a situation now. So we exaggerate the impact of people not wanting to live in a condo. Two years from now, that will be not, a, not an issue. Sharing an elevator will not be an issue. The way after 9-11 people said, I will never fly again. And they yeah. did. So yeah. I think we tend to exaggerate things. So this move from condos to low rise is short term. Yes. With the prices of low rise rising and condos going down, eventually people will say, you know what, I'm going back. And that's exactly what we're going to see. And that will bring the uh, equilibrium there back to normal. And I think that the uh, builders will be able to re-enter the market. But we have to go through this transition period. Right. And this is specifically in uh, Toronto proper, like the, the city centers, Toronto, Vancouver, and things like this? Or are you saying that for most condos, um, whether it's in a secondary market or not? I think that will be for most condos, absolutely. But clearly for the GTA, no question about it. Okay. All right. Perfect. Now, Benjamin, based on what we've been talking about, what types of real estate investments do you see as being most advantageous to Canadians right now? Well, first of all, if you look at multi-residential, uh, it is going through a correction. The rental market is down for a good reason. We have a lot of supply. As I said, the condo space is very busy with supply. We have seen a lot of, a lot of purpose-built apartment buildings coming yeah. to the market for the first time. That's a lot of supply. Then you don't have immigration. That's a reduction in demand. As well, as you know, we have seen a, a lot of conversion from Airbnb, from short-term units to yes. long-term rental. That's another source of supply. So a lot of uh, supply, not enough demand, 
And therefore, you have a situation in which rent is actually negative, going down by about 10%. Vacancy rates rising, namely more apartments available. Now, remember, the rental market has been on fire until the crisis started. So it's going down to normal levels. And I think it will remain relatively soft over the next year. So investment in multi-residential from a short-term perspective will be a bit tricky Although I believe that with this transition, there will be some opportunities mm-hmm. from a long-term perspective. Very interesting. And okay, so I have another question. I have so many questions <laughs> for you. Um, office building space. Now, I, I mean, kind of two sides to it. Yeah, right? well, yeah. We, we have our own office building here and our company, we, we are a company that we like to be at work together as a team because we work as a team. But many are liking the fact that they can work from home or off-site. What are your thoughts on the office building market? Yes, there are two extremes. Basically, people say the office is dead and others say we'll go back to, to the office. And the truth is somewhere in between, of course. And I think it would be a model that will incorporate both uh, views. I think uh, the way I picture our life, not next year, uh, but two or three years from now, the way I picture our lives is the following. Most of us will be back in the office most of the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, the concept of rush hour sounds so primitive now. Yeah. <laughs> because who says that you have to show up at nine o'clock yeah, if you can work from home? So yeah. that will change. Second, if it's minus 20 and it's freezing out and it's snowing, you know what? I'll work from home. So it will be a more flexible environment, okay? In terms of when you come to work, when you stay home. And uh, what it means, it means that the demand for office space will be there. And it will be there big time, but it will not be the same as it was because companies will adjust. Remember, also because of new regulations related to the, to, to the, the crisis and the virus is that each uh, employee will need to have more space. This concept of uh, open yes. space, everybody on top of each yes. other, it, is over. So you have less people visiting at a given point in time, but they need more space. To me, this means that the demand for office will be relatively strong, but it will be maybe 10, 15% below what it was before the crisis. Mm-hmm. Very good. Okay. Very interesting. So now the big question. Yeah. Well, you, you touched on inflation before, and we kind of wanted to to um, dig a little bit more into detail about that. Given the unprecedented amount of government spending in the last year, what areas do you expect to see will be, you know, most impacted by inflation? And you know, what are your thoughts regarding, you know, what the government's going to do to to kind of control the inflation? Okay, so that, that's a very good question. So a few things happening here. The government is spending a lot of money. We all know that. Yeah. And rightly so. The budget deficit is approaching $350 billion. The debt is more than $1 trillion. Mm-hmm. Now, the question is first, who is going to pay for this exactly. spending? And the short answer is nobody. Nobody because they will recycle this money. Interest rates are so low which means that although the level of debt is rising, interest payment on your debt is actually going down by $4 billion. It's like having a larger mortgage with lower interest rates and therefore lower interest payments on this mortgage. That's what we are seeing now. However, this is a short-term story. From a long-term perspective, somebody will have to pay for it. The government will have to cut something. And I will not be surprised 
if uh, come 2023-2024 we might see some increase in taxation in order to raise some revenue to basically balance the books and i'm talking about the uh, capital gain uh, inclusion rate going higher mostly, in, mostly on financials not real estate i see dividend tax i see maybe carbon tax revenues coming to general spending maybe even tax on big tech that everybody's doing now and if they're really desperate they will go with a one percent increase in the gst that will bring them seven billion dollars maybe that's not happening now not even next year not even the year after because there is no urgency to do so that's mm -hmm. one thing the question of inflation is a very good question and in order to see inflation you need two things you need the government namely the bank of canada to print money, and that's exactly what they do. They print money and they buy all the government bonds. But in order to see inflation, you, you need not only a lot of money in the system, but you need what we call the velocity of money to rise. The speed at which money is exchanging hands to rise, it's not, it's in the basement. So without this velocity, you don't have inflation. We have seen it in Japan, we have seen it in, um, the US and even in the Eurozone. So I'm suggesting that as long as the velocity of money is down, the rate at which we are exchanging uh, money is down, inflation is not an issue. So quite frankly, I'm not losing sleep over inflation anytime soon. Well, that's good to wow, know. Wow, that feels good. <laughs> Thank you. <Yeah. laughs> okay. So, um, what other questions do we yeah, have, Yeah, I, I think we're almost out of time, Benjamin. Is there anything else that you think would be important to share um, before the end of the show? Yes, I will go back to the point that people tend to exaggerate things where they are in a situation. If you are into real estate, if you are thinking of investment in real estate or even the stock market or any aspect of the economy, don't be blinded by the ear and now mm -hmm. think long term and we tend to make mistakes while we panic and we are all panicking now so let's view the situation from a long-term perspective and see what makes sense and what doesn't that's yeah, my thank advice you. Thank that's you amazing so and i think that's going to bring some a lot of comfort yes comfort and peace to a lot of people so i was really looking forward to meeting you um and and speaking to you today and getting some insight on on what you think is happening and we just want to thank you so much for taking the time today i know your time's precious and we're very grateful for having you on our show today a pleasure good luck for more information on investing in real estate go to 30minutestowealth.com to see the rest of our episodes i guess that's it our 30 minutes are up go create wealth